Welcome, welcome to welcome. the only podcast that draws you in like a straw in a milkshake. It's Pastor Live, the lighthearted podcast adventure that's all about God, the Word, answers to your questions, and, well, sometimes it's more questions to your questions. Hang on tight. You're listening to Pastors Live with Pastor Ty, Pastor Dave, Pastor Shane, and the other guy. All right, leave the gun, take the cannoli. All right, so hey, everybody, it's, uh, it's Pastors wow. Live. Uh, I'm sorry, I got to do that one better next cel- time. I don't celebrating know. that day uh, would leave the cannoli and with, take the yeah, gun. Yeah, leave the cannoli and take the gun. Hey, <laughs> hey guys, listen, it's Monday. We can Monday. call Mario Puzo and ask him. We could. <laughs> <laughs> it's Monday, April 17th, 2023, and uh, welcome to Pastors Live. Our readings today, uh, we're in Luke chapter 22, we're in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 14, uh, and then we're in Psalm oh, 1, Psalm 100, right. and then Ecclesiastes chapter 10, which... I actually like Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Um, But as we go through today, hey, listen, it's 12 days uh, until the Resolve Men's Conference. So you need to go ahead and go to resolvemen.com. You need to register uh, today. Uh, It's April 29th. It is Ryan Reese, Tony Clark, Raul Reese, and Clifton Jansky are going to be here. Better husbands, better fathers, better men, better register right now. Uh, resolvemen.com. If you want to contact us here at the show, it's pastorslive at the rev.fm. And we've got some great guys in the studio today. We've got Pastor Shane here today. Hello, we've got Shane. Pastor Dave. Hey, guys. And we've got the other guy. We've got Pastor James. Hey. And then we've got Gary Austin, the voice of the valley. Hello, pastors. And then I'm Ty. I'm glad hey, to Ty. be back. Uh, it's been a little crazy season of ministry, so I, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've been away for a while, and so yeah. I'm glad to be back. And uh, we've got some wonderful Wonderful stuff to discuss, but we were joking around at the beginning of the show. Uh, today is apparently Second Amendment Day, um, and of course, for those of us that are in Idaho, I guess that's that's every day. Every day, uh, every day is Second Amendment Day. I actually had a really interesting conversation the other day. We had uh, some folks that were visiting the church, and they wanted to engage in a political conversation with me in church. And you guys know how I feel about that. Easter I just, weekend? I, uh, it was a week before that. Oh, and so oh, they wanted to Paul engage Sunday. with me. Uh, they, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They wanted to engage with me in a political conversation, and I don't, I don't do that in church. By the way, I have political opinions. Uh, if you want to ask me about them, buy me a cup of coffee, and I'll be glad to share those with you off campus. I won't, I won't do it on campus. Um, but I also, I'm, I, just won't, I won't get you visceral know, about it. I, w- I wouldn't but, mind either if somebody you buy me a box of ammo and I'll talk to you all day. Uh, how I feel about Second Amendment? Yeah. Well, they were asking some questions. I and I, I said, listen, I, I, I just find I had to tell them they were kind of poking the bear, and I just said, hey, listen, I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm a biblical conservative. Okay, that those, I'm, so you have to understand that's where I'm at. That doesn't mean I'm a Republican or Democrat. You know what I'm for if you know the Bible. So let's just talk about what I'm for, not what I'm against. And then they said, well, it's really, really important. We really need to know, how do you feel about the Second Amendment? Well, I looked around and I thought, I've got to be really careful. So I grabbed Chris. <laughs> Some of you guys don't know Chris. <laughs> you know, Chris. I said, Chris, come here. Chris and they, is a decorated war hero. Yes, our, our decorated war hero. I said, Chris, how do we feel about the Second Amendment? I let him answer because he goes, very strongly. Uh, and so they were like, oh, we're so glad. you know. But did, it did is. He, did he lift his coat and show his waistband? Or? <laughs> no, no. No, he was. He, was yeah, he would never do that. He was really good. But yes, but it was, it was one of those things where, um, you know what? We do live in Idaho. And for those of you who are listening that are outside of Idaho, you just have to understand we have a lot of people around us that uh, feel very strongly about their right to uh, bear arms. And if you have a comment or question about that, it's Pastors Live at the Rev.fm. And if you think um, what, the initials AR stand for Arkansas, listen to someone else. <laughs> 
So, but now, but just but here's here's oh, an interesting on, thing. Shane. So, relax. Hey, I think but, the ball's over there. Just keep walking. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Here's one of those things that I thought was really interesting when we talk about Second Amendment and Christianity. Uh, one of the things that happens is you have you have people that are preppers, and I don't know, Dave. Have you ever known preppers? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess. I, you ever so, heard of Y2K? Uh, oh, I, oh I my made, goodness! I made oh. bank on Y2K. Trust me. Oh, Y2K was a thing. Uh, well, we had so, preppers coming out of our ears in Oregon. Oh yes. They were, they were creating these bunkers, and I made bank waterproofing underground bunkers for all the preppers. A so, lot of people made bank. God. I was an assistant manager at Barnes & Noble at the time. So many people came in to get books on Y2K and how to be oh, ready for wow. it. Right? It was amazing. So, and, Did you and, say, why not 2K? Why not 2K? But you guys remember that the, that that was a, the Y2K thing. If for those of you who are uh, don't remember or are too young to remember, what? that was about going from 1999, now, now there's a Prince song in my head, uh, <laughs> to 2000. And now, so now they said, oh, all, the, the computer chips aren't going to know what to do with that, too. And it's everything's going to fall. Skynet's coming, right? It's all going to fall apart. And I remember that that moment uh, when we, we decided to have a lock-in that night. We said, well, hey, listen, if if the world's going to end, we're going to have a bunch of teenagers together. And it's gonna we're going to party like it's 1999. <laughs> yeah. And so we got together. Well, the funny thing was we... Greenwich was the first. I mean, you understand you could see the time change around the world. And so as the time started changing and there were no big deals, I thought about how I, I felt bad for Christians, especially Christian teachers who kind of sold their ministry on this Y2K thing. And there were guys that made Y2K a big deal and they made their whole ministry about prepping and getting ready. Um, and the thing that I've always struggled with with preppers is this. So you go ahead, you get a bunker, you get your food store, you you do all these things, then you get guns to perf- to protect your food store. And I was in Salmon, and I was talking to a brother who was a serious prepper. He had two underground bunkers. He had his own food. He had everything. He was he was already off grid. I mean, all that stuff. And 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 I asked him. I said, so so when this happens. What 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 are you gonna do when people come to you because you have what they need? He goes, he says, I will shoot them. I said, hold on a second. In so the name what, of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So yeah. let, me, let, me, let me let me let me yeah. So I, I said, let's talk What's about wrong with this let's picture? talk about prepping. Let's talk about prepping as prepping as a Christian. If if you have food and Jesus said, and I, this is James. I mean, I'm at a James moment, not James, you James, but James the biblical oh, the other, brother other of Jesus, guy. the other 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 guy. Yeah. So. So James says, if you see your brother or sister naked and destitute of daily food, and you say to him, be warmed and filled, right? And you don't do anything for him. Your religion, what good's your faith, right? And so so if you've saved up all this food, you have to understand the, the whole good and beautiful religion is this, is that you would give that food to the needy and not, you were not gonna shoot at people to protect yourself from those in need. It, it's just, I've never, I, I don't know if you guys have ever struggled with that, but I know that I, I, I really s- struggle with that. The logic of that, it's like, if I'm going to have food, I'm going to give it away. And somebody asked me, well, what are you going to do when there's no food? I said, I'll starve to death and I'll be with Jesus. Well, I mean, it's okay. Well, here's you know, it's here's like, my problem with it. Doomsday, I'm gone before doomsday, dude. <laughs> but here's, here's what you're going to do with it. Literally, here's what you're going to do with it. Right. Peter says, well, Lord, we've given up everything. We left our homes. We left everything for you. And Jesus is like, 
nobody who's given up anything for me is going to go without. You have a hundred homes in this lifetime and in the life to come. I know that if Sylvia and I ran out of food, if we got evicted, I could go to anybody in this room except for James. I could, I'm kidding. I could go to James. I could go to Gary. I could go to Ty. I could go to Shane. I could say, guys, my wife and I are out of a home. And you guys would open your doors. Absolutely. I would do the same for any of you, especially for James's boys. I, <laughs> Josiah, I mean, yeah, Josiah and Ezra, you, you know, they could come and live with the Colemans anytime. But uh, seriously, <laughs> James, James what, what's going to happen when you run out of food, when you run out of a home? We're not going to because we have each other. I'm processing what church. you're saying, Dave, but I'm also thinking about there's been some really difficult times when we've missed out on date night. And I just heard an you offer extended. You said anytime. <laughs> Said, you and I have time. never missed out on a date night because I don't date you. Well, my my wife and I. <laughs> oh, Friday nights. Miss Tina. Uh, yes. Friday nights. <laughs> I know nights. the Coleman's. He said any time. There you go. <laughs> Sylvie so, and I, our date night is Thursday, as you know. So if you need a sitter, I'm serious as a heart attack. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. you want to watch an 18 and 17 year old, too? They need some. <laughs> any <laughs> time is they what need I heard. Some sitting. <laughs> well, I can hear any They need driver's ads. I think that's it. But, <laughs> but hey, so, but we did have a question that came in, and this, this question came in uh, from a, 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 a local gal here. Um, <laughs> and uh, it says Pat, the pastors addressed a question about dispensations and talking, and oh, and talked quite a bit about how to not. To work out your theology, uh, what are good steps to working out theological questions in a healthy way that builds our faith? And that's from Lori Orr here in Idaho Falls, and she also puts, "And when is my husband coming home?" Uh, and so, uh, so, so that is a really good question. I think that's. Uh, I think the first thing I would want to say, and I'm going to throw, then I'm going to throw it out here. I think the biggest thing is that theological questions need to be kept in a relational space, in a sacred relational space. The, theology is getting to know God, not information. And so I think when we start tripping over information and we forget the relationship we have with God through the study of theology, that will lead us down some really scary roads. And I think that's where a lot of problems come in, where people start getting all tied up in information instead of uh, actual relationship with God. So that's the first thing that I would say about that. But how would you guys say is a healthy way uh, to work out your theology? But before you know, I answer that, you know, that's a really great point, Pastor Ty, about the relational aspect. Because yes. I was thinking about when, you, when you're dating someone and getting to know them, you aren't going to know every single thing about that person. That's why when someone's been married, as long as a lot of us have, you know, for decades, you still learn new things about your spouse. It's impossible. I learn new things about myself all the time, and Dave helped shed light on that too. Thank you, Dave, for that. <laughs> anyway, but look, when so apologetics, I love apologetics, but you can keep presenting information to someone to defend the faith, and you can keep doing that, but there comes a point when, when the person receiving the information has to make the decision, do I love God enough? Am I interested enough in this massive, eternal, loving, personal creator who wants a relationship with me? to step forward because I will st still continue to learn. There still will be questions that will right. be answered, but when do I make the decision to enter into the relationship? Right. Right. No, that that's really good because because <laughs> I, I think the hardest thing that I, I've seen is when you get theological students that become more concerned about being right than being loving, <laughs> then right. they have all then they are they're they're not 
theological students anymore. They are systematic students. They're, They're informational well, students. No, that's exactly right. Well, they right. become that's, Pharisees they quickly. They become Pharisees. And, and, that's, that's exactly where I was going. And, and I good, think sometimes, too, high church people become that. Mm-hmm. When well, we start talking about high church. And if you guys don't know what that is, we can discuss that. You send a question and we can discuss it <laughs> another time. But, well, but yeah. well, that's true, Ty. And also, though, even um, it can happen in small towns where – well, gee, my family's been a part of this church for generations, and um, I have to maintain control, and you're bringing in something new. How am I going to maintain control when you bring in something new that offers freedom? Yeah. We, we can't let the unwashed masses in on the secret of freedom because if they figure out, I'm no longer in control. So it, it goes kind of to both of those extremes, right? I have a right. very good friend. Tercilla, and, and I just love her to death. Sylvie and I went all through school with Tercilla, and uh, uh, she's, a, she's a Roman Catholic, and she's a Roman Catholic apologist. And um, Tercilla will, once in a while, whenever she catches one of my teachings online, um, she will get a hold of me, and she and I will go back and forth. Now, we used to do it on Facebook only because she would sort of hit my videos up on Facebook when I was pastoring, you know. And, or, you know, the lead pastor. And um, then it got a little bit weird sometimes because she'd say, people must think we don't like each other, Dave. And I go, well, we, but we do. We love each other right. very much. So, and uh, she's a good pal. And uh, we were able to go back and forth. And she always would say to me, you know, I pray the rosary for you every day, Dave. And I'm praying that you come back to the true church. You know? <laughs> but we have yeah. a good, re- and it's exactly what you and James are talking about. We have a good relationship. It's a healthy relationship. Yeah. And we can have strong theological disagreements, particularly when it involves the sacraments. Right. We both agree and the deity of Jesus Christ. We actually both agree that you only get to heaven because of Christ. But then she'll say something like, hey, we we baptized our granddaughter today, so she's been born again by the sacrament of baptism. I'm like, no, <laughs> Tercilla. Right. Well, for for me, yeah. it's it's depending on how you process things, right? You, you need to know how you process things. So before I go, I agree with you guys 100%. You need to have that healthy relational um, brothers and sisters in your life that you can bounce things off of, but I, I don't verbally process. It's very hard for me to verbally process. So what what I do is I, I, I read the word, right. And I work it out in my head, do my research. I'll go to some other guys, whether it's on blue letter Bible or whatever that might have different opinions or, and, and just read everything. And then once I come to a conclusion that I, that I'm like, okay, this is what I truly believe. And then I have processed it then I can bring it right. up in the community and and then we go from there, right? And well, so well, and I, that's I, how I do Well, it. I, it's interesting kind of how you guys <sighs> took that conversation, which I don't disagree with you, that we need our theology needs to be kept in a very loving and relational space. But the re, when, I, when I'm talking about theology is relational, it's about getting to know God, not our relationship right. with each other. Right. Um, our relationship with each other flows out of our relationship with God. Right. Therefore, if we know God, we're kind and loving. Right. But we're talking about working out our theology, right? And, well, so that's got to like, be relational with others. Right. But I think working out our theology starts on our knees in the prayer closet. Yeah, I mean, that's our, our, yeah, we don't work our theology out from a pulpit. We don't, we can talk it out in a classroom. I mean, we can talk about things. Absolutely. But we, we're working it out on our knees. And for I, those I think, who don't understand it, the yeah. danger of doing it in the pulpit is 
Oh, right. oh, because you're not done. Because you could be wrong. Yeah, that, and that's what I'm saying yeah. is I yeah. like to go to the word first. I go to God first, right? Yeah. Work it out with him, come to the conclusion, and then he solidifies it through and his br- my brother and sisters and we're Christ. held to a right. higher level of accountability well and sometimes well, people don't understand the difference between a conversation and dogmatics oh you know, right my goodness, so like yeah. like like so, so this is a space where it's not a classroom we recognize it's not a classroom however we have classroom conversations this is an example of a classroom conversation right right uh but you understand there's biblical theology historical theology systematic or what's known as dogmatic theology um, and then there's practical theology, uh, all all this about the study of the and the nature of God. But I, I want, my theology professor at Western was really clear, Gary. He said, "Look, the moment we leave the relational space in our study of theology, we have left theology." And like what Dave's talking about when he talks about talking to someone else, like when we talk to somebody who's super dogmatic about something. Oh, it's yeah, right. Yeah. They're like dogmatic. Their theology is dogmatics, right? And I, and I went ahead and ordered uh, a huge set of books on dogma because I, I find it fascinating. Where like we've put our heels in, you know, uh, historically speaking, or something right, like that. Right. So I, I think it's really important that we come back and we just say, hey, look. It's theology is about our relationship with God. If our relationship with God isn't right, our relationship, our, our theology is always going to be messed up. <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and so because we want to have a good relationship with God and with other people, and it's okay to have a, a disagreement over something that is a non-essential, right? Yeah, I just because I disagree with you doesn't mean I hate you, right? That's that's something that we need to readdress as as a society. I think, I, but unfortunately, I, I, some I could. yeah, yeah, I, yeah, not necessarily, right? So right. If, if you're having, <laughs> I love of, you. <laughs> If you're having ongoing conversations with a person over a span of time and each one leaves you feeling taxed or exhausted, it's probably a dogmatic, non-relational conversation. Yeah. If you leave a relation, a conversation you've had with someone over a period of time and more often than not you leave refreshed, that's probably a good relational conversation that you're having. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I know that, look, for me, it's state, support, defend. I mean, whenever I'm writing, I always think this way. Okay, I'm going to state my position from the Bible. I'm going to defend that position, why I came to that defi- the, that decision. And I'm going to defend that because I do understand that maybe somebody has a different view of that. Right. right. Uh, and, and that's okay. And that's okay. Um, but this is, the, like, for me, I, I understand where I stand as a person. I also understand where we stand as a church, right? Where right. we stand on things. And, and so I'm like, yeah, I, I'm, and I'm just like, wow. I had a great thought the other day. I was thinking about the veil in the temple, right? And I was listening to uh, Tim Mackey from the Bible Project, and he, yeah, I was yeah. listening to him for a few minutes. And he was going a direction, and I, I, I had to stop, but I knew what he was doing. He was showing how Eden is because Eden was not a tabernacle. It was not a tent. Eden was a type that has been used of the temple in heaven and also of the tabernacle and of the temple. And he was talking about the symbolism, right? And and so I, so I started thinking about it. And I thought, you know what? This is a position that I, I, I think would be, it's, it's a fun thought, but it would never be a position I would hold theologically. So let me let me share it with you. So when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, what was placed there to keep them from going back to the tree of life? Right. Flaming sword, right? Cherubim with flaming Cherubim sword. Cherubim with flaming sword. Yeah. So uh, when the tabernacle, when the tent was built and when the, the temple was built, what was on the front of the veil? I don't know. Oh, it was the, it was the cherubim. Yeah. That's the picture that's on it. 
right? It reflected the mercy seat. The, the temple was loaded with angels. And it angels loaded, loaded with angels. And so it looked like, and by the way, it was surrounded with pomegranates and trees and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It looked like the garden. It was represent, right. It was a representation of the garden. Then when the veil is ripped in two, check this out. The, the way was made. Now, we always talk about God tearing the veil. And I was like, it's like the guardians have been removed. Yeah, the, the the way to life. Jesus is the, the 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 tree of life. He is the one we go to for life. And I thought it was just. And this crossed my mind. And this is why I'm going to say this. What crossed my mind is like, I'm wondering if the angels were given permission to tear it. The ones that have been guarding Eden. The one you know, like were they given the permission to grab it and go right? <laughs> okay, you know, it's like it's like it's like the angels were like just tear it up. I mean, no, not just you have to appreciate that. Now, I, I'm I would never build doctrine on that. I would never build a theological yeah, argument a on that. Thought. It was just a fun thought that the angel there were angels that were placed there <clears throat> to guard the the that and in in the veil was that representation of those angels that kept us from the holy of holies, and then it was ripped in two. The angels are removed. It, the know. way has been made. It, it's just a it's just a thought. I and I'm again. I'm talking about something that I would never build a, a foundational block upon. Right. I had a, I had a college prof who argued that the fruit, <clears throat> pardon me, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was pomegranate because pomegranates are so prominent in the temple and around the priest's, the hem of the priest's garment. You had a bell, a pomegranate, a pomegranate. bell, a pomegranate, bell. A po- and he, I mean, I can remember Dr. Bartlett going on for a couple of days on the pomegranate. I'm like, dude. Work it out in private because you can't prove that. What are you doing here? Well, and that's the and that's the and that's the danger. And this is the thing that I and I even hear it in our space sometimes too, where we instead of staying to the text, we Look wander. At you, Shane. Um, and we, we wander, <laughs> and we have to be very, very careful to know well, what we're stinks, talking about. Because I use your Bible lessons. Oh! <laughs> yeah, but you, you can't you can't make the pomegranate argument because if I had tried a pomegranate first, I would not have offered that nastiness to my wife. <laughs> Seeds get I, I, look, stuck in guys, your teeth, guys, and it's, it's you guys. It's an avocado. You're being what is wrong with you guys? Man. It's okay, and we're hey, out this, of time. Yeah, we're out you're of time. Good fat. Yeah, it's a, it's a good fat. It was an avocado. It was good fat. All right, hey, listen, guys, you're loved, your family. We are out of time for today. Hey, join us tomorrow, Tuesday. It's going to be a great day. Hey, God bless you, and take some time out today. Go get some ammo. <laughs> the word of God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then ammo. It's the one and only Pastors Live, a Rev FM production with Pastor Ty, Pastor Dave, Pastor Shane, and the other guy. Download and listen to more episodes from Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And submit your questions and comments for next time to Pastors Live at the Rev.fm. His music, his word, the, the Rev. Rev.